How many of you have ever been in a church worship service in which you heard a choir sing? Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you have ever been in a church service when you sang hymns or something like that? Let me see your hands. How many of you have ever been in a church service in which an offering was received? How many of you have been in a church service in which you heard a fantastic sermon? Your hands were much slower coming up that time. <laughs> much, much slower. Well, we've all been in church services where we have experienced those things. Let me ask one more question. How many of you have ever been in a church service in, when, in which people stood and confessed their sins to others? Not many. Some, but not many. But God's word is very clear that we are to, as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to confess our sins to each other. In fact, the verse that I want us to look at today, James chapter 5, verse 16, says though that specific commandment, as plainly as God said, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall honor the Sabbath day, there's something about us as Christian people, and notice I said the word us, not you, there's something about us as Christian people that places various valuations on the commandments, commandments that God has given us. And some of those we regard as very, very important, and so we make sure that we keep those. But other commandments, which are just as directly from God, we view as sort of optional. And we don't practice them. We don't do them as regularly as we might do the others. We're only reading one verse today, so let's all read it together. It's on the screen for you. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. You see the first four words? Therefore, confess your sins sins. I've done some study over the past couple of weeks. I can't find in any commentaries or scholars' works that they say this commandment is any less important than any of the other instructions that God has given us. We are to confess our sins. We are, are to say to each other, not just to ourselves, and not just to the Lord, we are to say to each other, I'm not there yet. I still have more growing to do. God is still working on me. This past week, I did not live up to what I really hoped that I would be. We are to confess our sins to each other. Why? Why is it that God gave us this instruction not just to confess our sins to ourselves as a reminder, not just to confess our sins to Him. Why did God say to us that we are to confess our sins to each other? Before we enter into communion, I want to talk about five reasons that confessing our sins to each other is important. One, confession promotes humility and dependence upon the Lord. 
when we confess our sins to each other, that act automatically humbles us. It automatically takes us down a notch in the sense of our pride because what we are saying is, despite what you may see on the externals, despite the image that I might have, despite what others might think of me, I am not there yet. And just that act of saying, I'm not there, makes us more humble. You know there are plenty of relationships that are not reconciled, that still have coldness, tension, and distance in them. And the reason is because no one in the relationship has been humble enough to say, I'm sorry. They want the other person to say, I'm sorry. Even though they may be equally as much at fault, if not more. Our confessing our sins to each other. Our looking each other in the eyes and saying, I really have a problem with my temper. I'm a prideful person. I'm materialistic. This past week, I wasn't very kind with my children. I wasn't very patient with my spouse. Saying those words promotes humility in our hearts. Just hearing ourselves say those words makes us more humble and causes us to, to be aware of our dependence upon Jesus Christ. To say, I am not where I want to be, and the only way that I am going to get there is if I allow Jesus to change me. And so one reason that we have this commandment here that we are to confess our sins to each other is because confession promotes humility and dependence upon Christ. Humility also, however, builds closeness among people. Haven't you discovered that when people present an image of, I don't ever have any problems, everything in my life is perfect, haven't you discovered that when people convey that their social media lives are the way that their lives really are, that you don't feel that they are approachable. You feel like they don't understand me. My life is a mess. Things are not going the way that I want. I've been disappointed. I've, I've, I've failed this past week. People who have an image of, I can't even relate to that, don't have very many close friends. But the people who are willing to acknowledge, I have blown it again. And I said that I wasn't going to. I promised that I wasn't going to, but I did it again. Those people are the ones that, that have others say, he can understand me. She can relate to me. We've been through something similar. During my time in New Orleans, one of the courses that we had to take in preparation for learning how to, to write big papers put us in some small groups. And in the small groups, we were to introduce ourselves. We were coming from all over the country, and most people already were in churches. And so we were introducing ourselves and, and telling each other, what we did and, and where we were at that time I was at Mount Vernon and so I said I'm the student minister at Mount Vernon Baptist Church in Columbus Mississippi other people went around the room and their their 
there sometimes can be in those groups of introducing, especially among ministers, to be a little exaggerating in, in what you are. And one of the guys in our group not only was a minister, he was from Texas. So he had a double whammy. And as he was talking, he said, yes, I, I went to this church when I graduated with my master's degree, and, and we were only running X amount of people, and over the past four years, we have tripled in size, and our, our budget has exploded, and we just, just don't know what we're going to do to, to put all of the people in. We're talking about expanding, and, and he gave a pretty good rehearsal of his success story. And the person who introduced himself right afterwards is still a friend of mine to this day. His name's John Williams, and he was in Homa, Louisiana. And he said, well, after that, I, I really don't even know what to say. He said, let me tell you all what happened to me in church Sunday. He said, I was sitting on the pew, and as I looked down the row where our teenagers were, I saw that they were distracted by something. I saw that they were, you know, not paying attention to the message. And so I looked down and, and, and then I could see that there was a young man down here and he had concert tickets. And he was showing everybody, you know, that he had these concert tickets and everybody, oh, let me see. And so John said, so I just leaned down over everybody and I got the wallet and the concert tickets and I said, I'll give them back to you after the service. And so, just a few seconds later, John felt a tap on his shoulder. He was sitting on the end of the rope. And he looked, and he saw that it was the father of this young man who had been showing off the concert tickets. And John thought, man, I'm just going to go ahead and give him the wallet now and let him deal with him. And so, when John turned like this, the man went, bam, hit John right in the face. He probably was a Methodist. <laughs> hit John right in the face. And so John got up, he held his, bleeding profusely, and he walked out of the building. He said, man, this guy's a success. I'm getting beat up in church. <laughs> Do you know who I went to dinner with that night? John. Not Tex. John. His vulnerability, his transparency, his sharing automatically, I mean right from the start, made me feel closer to him. The bragging about what a success this person was not only did not make me feel closer to him, it put some distance between us. I, if I can be completely honest, I really didn't care to know him. But I wanted to know John. John was somebody whom I could identify with. Now, I don't have any... Fears that somebody's going to come beat me up in church. I know that people will be too intimidated and threatened. But still, the failure. They, hey, what I experienced on Sunday was not a home run. Did for the relationship between John and me what confession does for every relationship. When a person is willing to pull back the curtain and expose the disaster and the mess 
and the failure and the sin. What happens as a result of that is not that people, not that godly people say, oh, let's kick you while you're down. It causes people to come to you. And so confession is important because it promotes humility and dependence upon Christ. Confession is also important because it builds closeness between human beings who know, hey, my life is not very good either. Third, humility fosters a sense of accountability. When I am willing to confess to you areas in which I am struggling, then that automatically gives you permission to ask me about them. To see what I'm doing to try to grow in those areas. To see if I'm just getting locked in the same old cycle. What, what it allows you to do is to confront me, to rebuke me. The moment that I say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. It is, it is a destructive habit. It's a poor pattern of behavior. It dishonors God. It, it harms other people. Then immediately, my confessing that to you, since you are a brother or sister to me, that gives you, not only gives you the permission, it really even gives you the responsibility to say, okay, you've confessed it. I'm not going to beat you over the, over the head with a club, but I am going to ask you about that. I'm going to see what you're doing to try to improve, to try to grow. Confessing doesn't just say, well, you know, I've, I've done it again. It, it invites the rest of the body of Christ to say, you know what, I'm going to help you with that. I, in fact, I'm going to help you in that area, and I have some issues, I have some struggles, and let me confess them to you so that you can help me with those. Accountability comes when we confess our sins to each other. The fourth reason that you and I need to confess our sins to each other is because confession also builds a trust among people. When we surrender ourselves, when we lower ourselves with a willingness to confess, and then people deal with us gently, then what happens as a result of that is that we learn when we go through difficult circumstances together, I can trust you. If you were there for me at my lowest, if you were there for me when, when things were in pieces, then I feel like you'll be there for me when times are good too. And you'll be there for me the next time things are in pieces, when they, when they aren't the way that they should be. Isn't that the way that we operate in life? When someone has been with you through, really, through one really bad period and one person during that same bad period shunned you and turned away from you, don't you go back to the person who was with you before? And so confession builds our trust among each other. The last thing that I want you to see here is that confession brings healing. Because when we confess each other to each other, what James says is that we are to pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the context here it has something to do with, with sickness because you see there in verse 5, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, right before, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. 
and the Lord will raise him up. But James was very quick to include there, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And then it is that point where James says, so you confess your sins. The prayers of God's people, when we confess our sins, the prayers of God's people help us get past those sinful areas. Not to continue to wallow in them. Not to continue to say, well, I, I just can't help it. I, I just, you know, I've always had this problem and I just can't stop it. That's not what this book says. What this book says is that when we confess our sins, when we acknowledge, I have an issue, I have a problem, please pray for me. God says, I honor those prayers by helping people gain healing and wholeness in the areas where they are struggling. We have all been in services where people sang, gave offerings, listened to God's word, maybe read scripture. We need to be a part of groups where people confess our sins to each other so that the healing we desire can come. Now, we're going to do something that, as far as I know, we haven't done at Bersha, but we're going to have a time where people can reflect on their own personal walks with God. Whenever we observe communion together, that occasion is solemn. In fact, do you know, have you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul addressed the Corinthian church, he said, the reason some of you are sick and the reason some others of you have died is because you have taken communion in an unworthy manner. What we're about to do is something serious and solemn. It is our recognition of the work of Jesus Christ that he has done to provide forgiveness for our sins. So Jackson, I'm going to ask if you'll just step back to the piano. Jackson's going to begin playing some. And we're going to have a time where people are able to say, God, between you and me, I want things clear.